Our quote today is from A.W. Tozer, and he says, Pseudo-faith always arranges a way out to serve in case God fails it. Real faith only knows one way and gladly allows itself to be stripped of any second way or makeshift substitutes. Not since Adam stood up on the earth has God failed a single man or woman who trusted him. I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is God's Wisdom for Today, a weekday live broadcast series from the book of Proverbs. Just like a proverb, this show is a short, wisdom-packed nugget of truth teaching us how to live our lives well. The book of Proverbs is an invitation from God to step into the wisdom of God. It is a very practical roadmap for developing the skill of living. Let's dive into episode 39 today as we take a look at Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. We're going to look at it in two different translations. I'm going to talk about the language and the meaning and then connect it to our everyday lives by asking ourselves some questions. But before we get started with all of that, let's pray. Father, I am so grateful for this opportunity to open your word with my friends that are listening today or watching today. I'm grateful that I have access to your word and that your spirit allows me to access wisdom from your word. I pray that you would, spirit, open our understanding today as we read and think about verses that are very familiar to us. So I pray that you would teach us what each of us needs to take from this today. In Jesus' name, amen. These are familiar verses, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Probably you have heard this before. We're going to look at it in the ESV and the message today. The ESV says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. The message is kind of fun to read because it gives us a little bit of a twist on a very familiar verse. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Now, these are probably the most well-known and the most memorized verses from the entire book of Proverbs. At this point, we are where the father is emphasizing keeping the commandments of God, but he tells his son not to focus his trust on the law of God, but instead to focus on the God of the law. Trust does not come from the head, but from the heart. It is not the result of reasoning. It is the result of believing. This is Romans 4, 3, quoting Genesis 15, 6. It says, For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. When Abraham leaned on his own understanding, he failed miserably. According to his understanding, God could not provide for him in the famine that he experienced in Genesis 12. God could not give him a son when he and Sarah were far past the natural age of childbearing. You find that in Genesis 16. There are three instructions in these verses, and we're going to look at all three of these. Trust in the Lord, do not rely on your own understanding, and acknowledge Him in all your ways. Let's start with trust in the Lord. The Septuagint translation emphasizes the idea of having come to a settled persuasion regarding some truth. Now, in this context, that truth is that God has our best interest at heart. The word translated trust in verse 5 means to lie helpless or face down. That's weird, right? It pictures a servant waiting for the master's command, ready to obey, or a soldier yielding himself to a conquering general. The message of this posture is total helplessness, total dependence upon God. 
It's a total yielding to the other's will. Matthew reminds us that Jesus, quote, fell on his face and prayed, not as I will, but as you will, in Matthew 26, 39. So trust is a posture of yielding and dependence. It's also an all-or-nothing proposal. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Partial trust isn't really trust at all. Either God is trustworthy or he isn't. If he cannot be trusted with all, he cannot be trusted at all. It's wholehearted devotion. Way past the idea of intellectual assent, saying in your mind that you trust God, but instead it's a deep reliance on the Lord. David Guzik's commentary talks about this idea as being potentially troubling, like you could have a problem with this, because we can fear that some part of our heart isn't trusting, so that we can't be trusting God with all of our heart. But we are imperfect people. It is impossible to trust in the Lord perfectly. It describes instead a heart and life that does not consciously reject or defy God with unbelief. It's a childlike, unwavering confidence in our Father's well-proved wisdom, faithfulness, and love. That was all the first line. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The second instruction reads, do not lean on your own understanding. Adam Clark says, self-sufficiency and self-dependence have been the ruin of mankind ever since the fall of Adam. The grand sin of the human race is their continual endeavor to live independently of God. We are not to depend on our own understanding because it's limited, it's self-centered, it's often self-seeking and flawed. The verb to lean on literally means resting one's full weight on, to support oneself on. Does that mean that we should ignore our own understanding? No. God gave us intelligence, common sense, and insight, and he expects us to use it. But it needs to be submitted to the will of God. We are to rest our full weight on God. The third line is, in all your ways, acknowledge him. This is a command to know him. It's easy for us because we use acknowledge in a way in our culture that just means simply to nod at someone, I see you walking down the street, but that is not at all what this means. This means to be intimately acquainted with God. I'm going to read one commentary on this, and it's really long, but it explains it well and it leads us into the next topic. The Hebrew word is not fully represented by acknowledge him. This is the word that means to know intimately and personally. It describes experiential knowledge, as we see in Proverbs 1-2. It is the knowledge David spoke about in his counsel to Solomon at the end of his life. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will let you find him, but if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. That is 1 Chronicles 28.9. We're still in the quote where he says, Our trust in God grows as we learn more and more about him. The more we know God, the closer we draw to him and the easier it becomes to commit our ways to him. Trusting God cannot be separated from intimacy with God. These three, trusting him, leaning wholly upon him, and knowing him intimately, are the mechanics of a life that is totally committed to him. If we live such a life, we are assured of this promise. He will direct your paths and make them straight. What does this mean? In Old Testament times, roads were rough at best and dangerous at worst. Travel was exhausting and perilous. When a king took a journey, some of his servants would go ahead of his caravan to smooth the rough places and remove the obstacles in the road. They would make his paths straight. End quote. (laughs) I told you that was a long one, right? 
God will make our paths straight. He will cause our lives and our pathways to be according to His standard. He will keep us on the narrow road so that we are able to go through the narrow gate. He will direct our paths in the way they should go. In Psalm 32, 8, he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Psalm 37, 23 says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. John Phillips summarizes it like this. When we enthrone God's law in our hearts, our priorities are dictated and our paths are directed. So let's ask ourselves some questions. How difficult is it for you to trust God for everything in your life? Are there areas that you hold back? Now, be really honest about this question because it's really easy to just say, yes, I trust God. But what keeps you from trusting God completely? Second question, how often are you relying on your own understanding and what can you do to stop that? Third, how fully and completely do you know God in an experiential sense? Not just knowing about Him, but actually knowing Him. And lastly, this verse speaks about living a wholehearted, fully devoted life. Here are three questions that you can ask yourself to evaluate your level of wholeheartedness. First, do you let the Bible overrule your own thinking? Do you obey rather than simply know God's word? Second, do you really believe that only those who believe in Jesus will be in heaven, no matter how good, how generous, or how loving a person is? Now, this speaks to our own level of wholehearted trust in Jesus. And lastly, when was the last time that your life looked obviously different from the life of someone who doesn't know God. Now, that's a lot of questions. If you want a place to write the answers down to those questions and to think through them a little more carefully and in long term and remember what they were, plus a place to keep track of all the things that we're learning as we go through Proverbs. We send out a set of free journal pages each Sunday evening in an email. And if you would like to get on the list for that email, you can go to getwisdom.link backslash email. Getwisdom.link backslash email. As for me, one of the areas that I've struggled with over the years is the difference between knowing and choosing in my mind to believe something and actually relationally experiencing it. Here we have Old Testament authors talking about a relationship with God, experiential knowledge of God. I am far more spiritually mature about this than I used to be, but I still find myself studying about God, particularly for things like this broadcast, but not actually spending relational time with God. When you do that kind of thing, it's very easy to feel like you've done relational things with God by reading or studying without actually doing it at all. Now, I'm not saying reading and studying is bad. We absolutely should be reading God's Word and studying it. But we can't let that slip into the realm of thinking that we've done our relational time with God because that's not spending time with God necessarily. The second comment I want to make, the second thing I was thinking about as I put together this information last week, there was something that shifted in me. There's a trap that we can fall into where we think we're relying on God if we don't move forward without specific instruction from God. Now, certainly, if we think about it as a road with a ditch on either side, we can fall onto either side of the spectrum, either extreme of the spectrum. We can do nothing without God's specific instruction, or we can charge ahead without looking at God at all. But in the middle, there is this dance between using our brain and the heart that God gave us and being guided by God in that process. As I was putting this together last week, I felt like I was not using my own head enough, that I had fallen into the ditch on the side of the road that says, I can't move unless God specifically says this. I can say, let's say I felt released 
maybe is a good word, to move ahead and create some business plans without God saying, this right here is exactly what I want you to do. I need to be using my brain, gifts, and talents, but that also needs to be in full submission to God. In the language of this verse, resting my whole weight on God, that dance between guidance from ourselves and guidance from God can get really off balance without submission. So that's what I was thinking about today. It means some exciting things coming down the pike for Grace and the Gravel Road in the areas of both prayer and wisdom. How about you? What will you do with what you've learned today? Let's close in prayer. Lord, we ask for wisdom today, not for our own success, but we ask it so that we can better love you, better know you. We ask it so that we can better love other people, better love the neighbors around us. And we ask it so that we can better live lives that honor you in all ways, that keep us on the path of righteousness. Give us that kind of wisdom, the kind of wisdom that transforms our hearts into the likeness of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, y'all, so much for joining me in this study. I really so appreciate you being here. If you find this broadcast helpful, if you're learning something, I would love it if you would share it with a friend. It's easier to grow when we have friends along for the ride to hold us accountable and to talk about the things that we're learning. If you're a podcast listener, rate, subscribe, review. All of those things help us reach more people that we can help. And we do this every day. So I will be back again tomorrow with the next set of verses, and I will see you then. Mm -hmm.